Welcome to season three of the Today is a Good Day podcast, a podcast to bring you a new point of support as you navigate your NICU journey. Today is a Good Day is here to be a resource for you. We share personal stories from families who have been there, important advice from medical professionals, opportunities to focus on self-care and more. Please don't forget to hit subscribe, share this episode with anyone who might find it helpful and leave us a review on your favorite podcast listening app. The journey to starting a family is different for each of us. Today's guest is here to share her personal journey with IVF, finally learning she was pregnant and welcoming a premature baby with a big brother at home. Karen Beck is a former educator and currently serves as the program coordinator for Today is a Good Day. She has been a part of the Today is a Good Day's dedicated team of volunteers for many years, and we are grateful for all she contributes to help other families navigating the NICU. Karen knows firsthand the struggles of welcoming a premature baby, balancing home life and NICU life, and the challenges of starting a family. Welcome, Karen. Thank you for being here with us today and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. So I want to get started. Just tell us a little bit about your story, about starting a family and what that looked like for you and your husband. Well, we always knew that we were going to need assistance with fertility treatments. Um, When I was 24 years old, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. So I had my ovaries removed and um, we needed to use the help of an egg donor in order to get pregnant. Um, That journey was something else. (laughs) Um, There we started off, my cousin was actually very generous and donated her eggs. Uh, However, we were unsuccessful getting pregnant with with her eggs. So we switched to an anonymous egg donor and were very lucky to get pregnant with our oldest son, Noah, on the first try. Um, Our pregnancy with him was uneventful and he was born, he was induced um, after 40 weeks and we brought him home right away. We then, when we decided to have a second, we went back to the leftover embryos and we, I, I didn't have trouble getting pregnant. I had a lot of chemical pregnancies. Uh, we ended up not having success and needing to use a third egg donor. Um, we got pregnant once again right away, which turned out to be a blight ovum and then a few more chemical pregnancies with our last try, we got pregnant with James. That's great. And and I do want to come back. So talk to us about chemical pregnancies, what that means, blight ovum, what is that? So a chemical pregnancy is when is basically a very, very early miscarriage. And it's much more common than people know about because typically they happen before you even know you're pregnant. However, since we were doing IVF, we were getting very early pregnancy tests. So you knew everything. You knew everything. So I would find out that I was pregnant and they would measure measure the HCG levels and they're supposed to double every two days. And instead of doubling, the numbers would go down. So they knew that it was a chemical pregnancy and it was not a viable pregnancy. A blight ovum is where your body thinks you're pregnant and there is a gestational sac. However, a baby never develops. Thank you for helping to clarify that. And, you know, listening to you talk about 
what you went through with Noah and then going to a second donor, then having a third donor. How did you go through all of that? How emotionally did that impact you? And how did you navigate through that time? It was one of the most difficult things I ever went through. Um, the it, We didn't really tell anybody what we were doing. So it was very isolating. There were highs and lows. Um, it was physically exhausting. All of the hormones. My husband had to give me shots every single night. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, it was very, it was very draining. And then when you found out that you were pregnant with Noah the first time, what did that feel like? And to know that it was a viable pregnancy and it was moving along? I don't know that I ever felt the excitement. Mm -hmm. I was always a little bit nervous that something would go wrong. I actually, with Noah, I kept on having dreams that he was going to be a preemie which I didn't have with James, who was the preemie. Um, so it was just I, I was preparing for a premature baby, and I, I didn't have one um, and, until later. And I do want to talk a little bit about James, knowing that you had a full-term baby with Noah and then to go on to get pregnant with James and – having him prematurely, did you know anything about the NICU? I mean, were you familiar with the NICU? Not really. I had a friend who had a preemie. Um, she, we were pregnant at the same time with our first, and her daughter was born at 25 weeks. And I had another friend who – I actually had two other friends who had twins who were preemies when I was pregnant with Noah. Um, but they weren't – None of them were people that I was extremely close with, so I didn't really, I, I didn't really experience it with them. I didn't really see all of the highs and lows because we it was we weren't people that you know talked every day. Or so exciting to welcome Noah full term. You have this beautiful little boy who's not so little anymore. How's he doing today? Noah's doing great. He just turned nine. He plays baseball. He loves drawing, dinosaurs, Legos. He's doing really well. Now, was he excited when he found out that you were expecting again and he was going to have another you know, he was, child in the house? He was three when we found out that we were expecting. Uh, we did wait a while to, to tell him. Uh, as I had mentioned, I had several chemical pregnancies, which my first H- HCG would be around 25. Um, with Noah, my first was like 350. Um, so usually that was a signal to me when I would get that first number that it wasn't going to be viable. Well, with James, my first HCG was 21. And the doctor actually called me to apologize that it didn't work and to start going through what to do next. Oh, my goodness. Um, so we did, which then obviously two days later we found out that the numbers were doubling. Uh the whole time we were sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop, we never really believed that it was happening. Um, the When we did finally tell him, uh, I remember we had gotten him a cupcake and we said, oh, we're going to tell you something and then you can have a cupcake. And we told him and he looked at me and said, I want a cupcake, not a baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds but about right. He did He did come around and he, he was really excited to, to have a little baby and to be a big brother. 
So it sounds like your pregnancy with James started off a little rocky, a little scary, a little uncertain. How did the rest of the pregnancy go with James and and talk to us about him arriving early? A little rocky, a little uncertain. Yes. Um, we, I had bleeding throughout the, pretty much the entire pregnancy. Um, and when he was finally, when he was born, I woke up um, around four o'clock in the morning and I thought that my water had broken and it I, w- I had just hemorrhaged at night, um, which was terrifying. Um, but I was able to, by the time I got to the hospital, the bleeding had stopped. And so I was put on bed rest in the hospital. I was told I would probably get to go home after 72 hours. Um, but then when I was there, I hemorrhaged again. It stopped. And I was told I would be there until the baby was born. Mm -hmm. And how long were you on bed rest before James arrived? He, I went into the hospital on a Thursday morning and he was born on Sunday night. Wow. And, you know, your experience of having an older child at home, welcoming James early, being put on bed rest, all of that, that is an experience that someone, I I didn't have that experience. Our premature babies were the first children that we welcomed. But for you, talk to us a little bit, and I know this is something that, and you know, this is something we talk to families about quite a bit. How do you manage having a toddler at home, an older child at home, and a baby in the NICU? What, What did you do to get through that? The one area that we were very fortunate in was Noah was going to school at the time three mornings a week from 9 to 12. And when James was born, actually when I went into the hospital, his school called me and said, he's now enrolled full-time. Drop him off when you need to drop him off. Pick him up when you need to pick him up five days a week. And it was that was probably one of the best things that could have happened for us. Um the school was right down the street from the hospital. So when he was, it was only two days or actually only one day because he was there because he wasn't, he didn't go to school on Thursdays. So it was only one day before James was born, but we were able to work it out so that we would drop him off at school and go straight to the hospital, Mm -hmm. stay there all day and then pick him up and pick Noah up and bring him home. Weekends were hard. Breaks from school were hard because we didn't have that. And we had to find childcare for Noah in order to get to the hospital to see Mm -hmm. James. And that was when I felt guilty. I knew that he was well cared for and loved and safe at home. But I felt like I was putting, putting him aside and focusing on James because... And I wasn't providing enough for Noah. I wasn't I wasn't doing enough for Noah. I felt like I wasn't there for him. And the, you know, looking back on it now, he was with his grandparents. He was with my cousins. He was he was just so happy and having a great time. Um, but for me to be leaving him after being a stay-at-home mom mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden have a where he was only away from me nine hours a week to spending most of the time away from him made me felt very guilty. 
And how did you get through that guilt? I mean, what what did you tell yourself? How did you manage that day to day? I mean, I told myself the things that I just told you. I told myself that he was safe, he was happy, he was having fun, but nothing really made me feel better. Nothing really changed that the feeling in my heart. That what I what what I was saying in my head, what I knew to be facts that he was okay. Mm-hmm. And it was just a short period of time that we were going to have this time apart was very different from how I felt that that I was neglecting him somehow. Right. And this goes back to what we talk about all the time. I, I think we talk to families a lot about guilt and trying to manage it and balance it. And when you're in in the NICU and you are in the heart of your NICU journey of it just seeming like it will never come to an end that we have to remind ourselves that this is a chunk of time, that we will not be here forever in the NICU, and that the time that Noah spent with his cousins, his grandparents, caregivers at school was just this chunk of time until James could come home from the NICU, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Now, with James in the NICU, Noah at home, he's going to school more often. Did he realize he had a baby brother? How did you explain to him that James wasn't able to come home yet? We showed him pictures. We told him that he was getting stronger and that the doctors were taking care of him. Um, he didn't He didn't really talk about him that much. There was one night, I remember, there was, um, there was going to be a blizzard the next day because James was born in December. And they were calling for a blizzard the next day. And the nurses told me, don't come tomorrow. The roads are not going to be safe he's fine, don't come. And I felt awful. Mm-hmm. It was going to be the first day that I didn't see him. I felt absolutely horrible that I wasn't going to be able to see him. And that night, we were putting Noah to bed, and he was stalling. He didn't want to go to bed. And all of a sudden, he started crying. And I said, what's wrong? Why are you crying? And he said, I just miss my brother. Aww. And my heart just broke. It was probably one of the single most – heartbreaking yes moments of James's entire NICU stay because I've realized he does get it. He does get that he has a brother, even if he doesn't understand fully. You know, he was three and a half. It was it was a difficult concept that there's this brother out there, but I've never actually met him. And was he able to go to the NICU to see him or he was not old enough at the time? He wasn't old enough at the at the time. James was born during RSV season right. and our NICU had a rule that you had to be over 15. Okay. Yes. And when he came home, is there anything special that you all did when James came home with Noah for a big homecoming? We didn't tell Noah that we were bringing him home because we didn't want something to yeah you know, something could go wrong and he doesn't goes. <laughs> right yes. something could go wrong and he doesn't come home until the next day or two days later or you know whatever and we didn't want to get his hopes up and then have to say oh just kidding and have him worry that something's wrong so Noah was at school and Chris went to pick him up and when he came home I had James and we had picked out a toy that we said that James had brought for him. And so he was he was really excited to see his brother finally and to hold him. And he was really excited to get a big cement mixer. Yes. So. <laughs> it's a little thing. Yes. <laughs> so Karen, you're 
thanks so much for sharing about your your journey to starting a family and welcoming Noah and James came prematurely at 29 weeks. When you look back on your NICU journey, what was a, a difficult moment that you had or difficult moments? And how did you overcome those moments in the NICU? And then I think you could share the same for going through your IVF journey. What were some of the difficult moments that you really experienced there and how did you overcome them? I think just having having the hardest thing for us, because we were very fortunate that James had an uneventful NICU stay. He was pretty much always healthy. He didn't have episodes. He tolerated his feeds very well. I was pumping for him and did not have any issue with my supply. And so the the journey itself was as smooth as it could have been, I think. But it was just so hard feeling like no matter where I was, mm -hmm. I was letting at least one of my kids down. And heaven forbid, I did something for myself mm -hmm. because then I would be letting both of my kids down. I felt like I should be with them both all the time, which is not possible. Right. And I felt like if I was if I was with James, I was letting Noah down. And if I was with Noah, I was letting James down. And the it was it was just this constant feeling of there wasn't enough of me to go around. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I if I did anything <laughs> to to make my to change that. I just tried to remind myself that they were both in good hands, that they were both well cared for. Mm -hmm. But it, it it doesn't it doesn't change what you feel in your heart that that you're that you're that there's not enough of you. Looking back at your time in the NICU. What is a piece of advice, Karen, that you would give to other families? And I know we talk to families all the time, so I'm sure you have lots in your mind, but what's something that you would tell other families? I think I always I always tell people to connect with other families who are in the NICU. It's it made such a difference for me. And I was fortunate enough to receive a beautiful care package from Today is a Good Day when James was in the NICU and to attend a Navigate the NICU session. And that that Navigate the NICU session was the first time that I allowed myself to talk to other parents who were spending their days six feet away from me with their own children. But, you know, you're in the hospital and you have to sign all these papers about HIPAA and you have to, everything's private and quiet. And they put these, you know, you put these barriers up when you're, when you're pumping and that's, you never know what the other parents are going through. So I sort of looked at these, these parents and I was afraid to introduce myself. I was afraid to say hi. And I'm a very outgoing person. So that, that felt, that made me feel really alone, even though I was in this room filled with other people who were going through the same thing that I was. And going to that Navigate the NICU session gave me permission to start talking to some other parents. And some of those people that I met in that room, I'm still friends with today. 
Totally agree. The the sessions and opportunities to foster a connection with other families in the NICU who understand. I mean, we talk about it that friends, family members, they don't necessarily understand what you're going through if they haven't walked the same path. And being able to create friendships with others who are six feet away from you is so important. And a lot of times it's just taking that step to introduce yourself because that other person is probably feeling the same way. Yep. Right? Yep. I have one last question for you, Karen. When you were sharing about your NICU stay and having Noah at home, trying to find the balance, trying to figure it out, taking it one day at a time, what is one word that you would use to describe having a child at home and having a child in the NICU at the same time? I would say divided. I felt like there was that. I was I was split between two worlds and two children and it's it was it was a very divided time mm-hmm. for me. And yet how was James doing today? James is 5 years old and full of energy, he's very spunky. He's he's got a lot of personality. He's very 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 sweet. He if if his brother does something to him that he's not supposed to and his brother is getting in trouble, James gets more upset <laughs> than <laughs> Noah does. I'm okay. I'm not hurt. Don't yell at Noah. Oh, that's brotherly <laughs> he's, love. He's really he's a sweet, he's a sweet kid. Um, but he's he's he loves drawing and he is very active and physical and he's really doing well. We have not seen any long-term complications from the NICU other than his lungs are not great. He tends to cough uh, for like a month after he gets a runny nose. Yes. Um, but other than that, he's he's doing, he's been doing really well. Well, and what I think is so important about what you are saying is as divided as you were while Noah was home, James was in the NICU, how you were trying to find the balance and figure out how to be everything to everyone. At the end of the day, look at these brothers now, James getting upset when Noah gets in trouble, growing stronger every day and and doing great. And I think that's so important to keep in mind that it truly is just a chunk of time to get through and that um, you can do it. I always tell people if when they're pregnant. I said, you're going to get, I always give two pieces of advice. I said, first of all, you're going to get advice from a lot of people. It's all going to be different. Trust your instincts. Nobody knows better than you. But the other thing I said is everything is a phase. So if there's something that's really, really hard, Mm -hmm. just grin and bear it because it's going to be over soon. And if there's something that's really, really wonderful, soak it up and enjoy every second because it's also going to be over soon. Yes. And you'll be moving on to something bigger and better, but enjoy enjoy it while you can. Thank you so much, Karen. Thanks for being here with us today and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. This episode of the Today is a Good Day podcast is brought to you with support from Life Celebration by Givnish and Key Bank.